This weekend at Kohl's, take an extra 15% off. Save on men's and women's denim. Get Under Armour shoes for the family, $59.99 and under. And pick up a Power XL air fryer, just $84.99. Plus, take an extra $10 off your back-to-school purchase of $50 or more. Plus, store drive-up. And get a little more for your wallet with Kohl's Cash. Shop Kohl's and Kohl's.com. Select styles, 15% off with promo code Notebook and August 16th. Under Armour offers and coupons do not apply. 10 off 50 with promo code BTS10 and August 23rd. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details. Keith Lee retains, he hulks up, he gets the win over Damian Priest. Kind of a fast match, but I enjoyed it. But at the end, he's not... I am limitless. I am limitless. I don't know. I don't know. What's going on, everybody? Sorry for that 10 seconds of mute. See, when the, the intro music is playing. Uh, I usually mute my side. I'll grab a quick beverage if i have to burp or something i don't want anybody to to hear it sometimes i forget to unmute it but it is episode 32 of wednesday night dynamite wow we're we're batting a thousand today with all the screw-ups i am don talk you know what one thing that i can't say that i screwed up was this these were my original predictions for the tnt championship tournament in the finals, it would be Cody versus Archer. And if you follow my shows the last two weeks, I even added a little bit of the Rocky Four, you know, situation where Ivan Drago kills Apollo Creed and Rocky is holding Apollo Creed and he's dead. And Ivan Drago, I must break you. If he dies, he dies. Did you see Cody holding Dustin in his arms a la Rocky Balboa and Apollo Creed? Loved it. Loved it. By the way, I see a lot of people are loving this shirt. Hopefully you were able to see that. Uh, the reason why I'm wearing this shirt today is because it just blows me away on how time flies. Yesterday was the 15-year anniversary of Chris Candido passing away. 15 years. That's just mind-boggling, in my opinion. I mean, of course, it doesn't feel like yesterday. But, you know, I got to know... Chris Candido a little bit, considered him a friend, albeit a very, very tiny one. Let's not exaggerate. Um, but it was one of those, 
I remember, you remember, you know, you have certain things throughout life and it's usually a tragedy. You remember where you were, you remember what you were doing, you remember what you were wearing, maybe what you were eating. That was one of those nights and I'll never forget it, man. It was, um, it was a pretty nice day. I'd say around maybe six, six thirty at night, seven at the most. I drove out to Long Island in my old white Lincoln Mark Seven I used to have. I remember my sunroof was all messed up. The glass was broken, but I wanted to go to my friend's restaurant. He had happy hour. I figured, eh, I go for a couple of drinks, hang out, eat something. So I go to Sunrise Highway. I park my car. And right before I walk into the restaurant, my cell phone rings. And it's Frank Goodman, the mass maniac. And he's hysterically crying on the phone. And I said, Frank, what's wrong? What's wrong? And he's like, Chris is gone. And for a second, I didn't th th like think, like, which Chris are you talking about? Because why would you think Chris Candido would die in his early 30s? And he said, Chris Candido. And we got all the details as far as, you know, the aneurysm, you know, if you remember, he broke his leg at TNA right before this, flew back to the States. And I tell you, man, um, one story that I always tell, I've always told this, is um, when I was working for XPW, and they were bringing in Chris Candido to face Shane Douglas on one of their events. I remember clear as day picking up Sonny and Chris Candido from their hotel, and I remember uh, Sonny wanted, was a little hungry, so he went to some drive-through somewhere. And Chris got in the car with crutches. He couldn't walk. He had a, like a torn groin muscle or something. And um, he, they get in the car, and I'm saying to myself, how is this guy going to wrestle later on in the night against Shane Douglas? And... Um, you know, basically helped him in the building, sat down with him, and he started telling me on how WWF at the time uh, wanted Chris Candido to possibly be a trainer. Um, this was right, you know, he was telling us back in the mid-90s they wanted him to be a trainer, and he want, they wanted him to help some people up and coming like Rock and others, and uh, he felt he still had years left in him. And sure enough, when it got close to ring time, you see this guy like, you know, just uh, uh, in the back, like just grunting through the pain. Motherfucker taped his side up. And if you ever go back and you watch the match, you'll see how he's heavily taped on his midsection. And basically did that because he had a torn groin muscle. And when the match came on, he uh, worked his ass off, man. It's just, just the memory that I will always have about him. And uh, I want to give a special shout out to Johnny Candido and all his friends and his family because he is absolutely sorely missed, you know. So uh, I wanted to pay a little tribute because, my God, 15 years yesterday, you know. And, look, I don't want to throw any shade towards TNA, even though it's not in business anymore technically. Even though last night we had a little surprise in Impact Wrestling, if anybody heard my Monday show, I talked about, hey, WWE's doing the interim Cruiserweight Championship. Maybe Impact Wrestling could do the same with Tessa Blanchard not able to perform. You know, I don't want to take no credit because I know that triggers the haters, but lo and behold, what do we have here? That was from last night's Rebellion. They knew, well... 
I consider it more like a Legends title, to be honest with you. But, hey, you know, it's to take a little bit of the diversion off of Tessa Blanchard. You know, I know we're jumping back and forth a little bit, but, you know, I'm kind of glad that they did not strip Tessa Blanchard of the title because... I could just imagine, you know, like everybody who, you know, when she first won that title, we know all the controversy that with La Rosa Negra. And, um, man, you look at her reign from then until now. Sure, a lot of it's been, you know, derailed because of COVID. But, man, if they would have taken the title off of her right now, people till infamy will talk about how Tessa Blanchard had one of the worst championships of all time and some of that inflated because of emotion so i like the fact that they did not take the title off of her but since tna is no longer in business uh that's moose by the way eric that's not delo brown um by the way how many of you out there thought tonight lou ferrigno was lanny Pafo? when i saw that with the manitoba melee i was like is that lou ferrigno no why would he be on AEW, that's got to be Lanny Poffo. That's got to be Kane. It's got to, no, it was Lou Ferrigno, man. And by the way, you know, of course, Tony Khan wasn't going to put the list up. And AEW is like, could you name all of these stars that appeared on the Melee today? I actually did all the research. I watched it again. I paused it. I watched it. I paused it. I'm not going to lie to you. Some of these C-lister stars, I don't... Gabrielle Iglesias, of course, but, you know, I had to look up some of these people like, who the fuck are you? I mean, yeah, Jay and Silent Bob, we'll get into the list a little bit later, but since TNA is no longer in business, the one thing that I will always remember with the passing of Chris Candido, I'm, of course, you know, being, uh, I was honored to be part of a match for the second annual memorial show. And we raise money, if you remember. And you know what? I want to mention this because Dave Meltzer gets a lot of bullshit from a lot of people out there. If you think I'm lying, you go to back to go to the Wayback Machine website, go to 2005 April, search wrestling-news.com, and you'll see the articles that I put up at the time. I raised about three thousand dollars that you know that, that was going to go to uh, you know. The proceeds with Chris Candido. We're not going to get into all that right now. But the thing was, was that they made this shirt that were, that the proceeds was going to go to. And it was Dave Meltzer who donated to me 100 Observer newsletters that were paying tribute to Chris Candido. So for all of you out there that don't like Meltzer, all right, sure, he's got an absolute favoritism to Japanese wrestling and AEW. But honestly... The guy does have a really good heart. I didn't ask for the newsletters, but basically I wanted to put something together that if you contributed X amount of dollars, you would get a shirt. And I wanted to add something else to it. And it was Dave Meltzer that approached me and said, listen, uh, what's your address? And I said, uh, I gave it to him. I said, what's up? He said, I'm going to send you a box of newsletters. You give them away with the shirts also. True story. True story. And like I said, you know, me, when I always tell stories, I usually have proof to back it up. You know, so this is another one you could you could actually look up as well. Uh, shout out to everybody tuning in live. And I didn't forget about the, the one other TNA memory I got to bring up in a minute. But shout out to everybody who is tuning in live right now. Uh, even on the replay, for all my friends and family in the chat and the Super Chat. And the Super Chat kicks off with this random question. What school did I go to? Anthony Diaz wants to know that. 
Uh, high school, St. Francis Prep. That's where I went. Um, but anyway, the one memory I'll always have with TNA as well is when Chris Candido had passed. You know, there was a lot of tributes being made to the passing of Chris Candido. And I remember the TNA wrestling gave Tammy, Sonny, gave her, I believe it was a ham. It, I think it was like a, you know, like a ham, you know, that you slice what you have with cheese and rye bread and mustard. You know, usually you do like a basket with flowers, you know. I, I don't know about fruit. Maybe you do fruit for someone who's like in their 70s and 80s, you know. What a beautiful basket. I am like get a bite into this, you know. They, a fucking ham. Meat. They gave her meat. Meat. I'll always remember that. Um, oh, Anthony's asking me and everybody else, wait, we're going past Velveteen Dream? I, unfortunately, I don't have toilet bowl flush sound effects. But if you remember this show last Wednesday, I got into the Velveteen Dream situation because it had just broken that early that day. Last week, I said I didn't think it passed the smell test. And over the weekend, I had a nice heated debate with Anthony Missionary Thomas of Wrestling Soup. Very respectful debate, but we're on the opposite spectrum of Velveteen Dream. The only thing that we agreed on is that if Velveteen Dream was actually having chats online with fans, um, it's probably not wise to do it at 3.30 in the morning, especially with people who are not saying about anything sexual or anything like that, but probably isn't the wisest thing to do to be having late-night chats with fans because fans lie, too. I mean, come on. I remember when I was a teenager, we'd go to a club. Hey, how old are you? I'm 18. And then the drinking age turned to 21. How old are you? I'm 21. You know, of course, we had to show fake ID, but we lied because we wanted to get into a club. We lied because we wanted to do this. So some people lie as well. You really never could tell. And later on, I will talk about Jim Cornette's comments about the Velveteen Dream situation. I tell you, I had to get the exact quote. Number one, just to make sure he actually said this, because I said, you know, <laughs> man, uh, I, I don't know. I don't even know how you can, like, screw up, screw this up and say the wrong thing. But I'll get into that later. But I will say this. Um, last Wednesday, I said it didn't pass the smell test for me. This weekend, I said it didn't pass the smell test for me. I have some additional video that I'm going to share with all of you later on that convinced me that it didn't pass the smell test. Remember last week? Oh, police report filed. Yup, yup, yup. Every time there is a bullshit news story floating around from now on on Twitter, instead of calling people goops, I'm going to just write three letters, Y-U-P. We'll use the exclamation point. You know, the latest one, oh, WWE offered pretty much everybody their release if they want to go. Yeah, yeah, just like when the radicals left. Yup, yup. Notice how everybody's sources apparently got coronavirus, that nobody has any information anymore. Yup, yup, yeah, yeah. They often release everybody. Yup, yup. But yet, when they had the conference call last week, that was something that shouldn't have been revealed to the stockholders. Yup, yup. Because uh, telling your stockholders that the focal point of your business, which is entertainment, you offered everybody, hey, you could go home if you want. You could quit. You could get out of your contract. Yup, 
Yup. My God, how how stupid are people online? Seriously, yup, yup. I mean, you don't think conference call, you're an entertainment company, it's focused around your roster, you don't tell your stockholders, well, you know, last week, we because of coronavirus, we gave everybody the option to, to leave, but everybody stayed, you know. That wasn't mentioned in a conference call because it didn't fucking happen, yup. But... When I get into the additional Velveteen Dream stuff later on, yup, I promise I won't keep doing that. Um, I honestly think, without a shadow of a doubt, we could finally flush the toilet of some of these people out there that are just looking for attention. I mean, it's just, it's it's ridiculous. Um, Especially if anybody, you know, it's funny. Oh, uh, WWE hasn't responded yet. Isn't responded yet. And then today, oh, look what they announced for next week. Oh, a, a pedophile sending nudes 3 o'clock in the morning to a 15-year-old. Look, next week. How could they do it? Well, they're just jobbing him out. And then, they, and then they're going to let him go. Yeah, that's right. Guy sending nudes to a kid. Yeah. Well, he's in the middle of a storyline. Let him lose the match. Then you're fired. You fucking dense. Seriously, that's stupid. You know, stupid. This is what happens when stupid people try to talk smart on social media. They either try to talk smart like they know shit, or they realize they're wrong. They can't just flat out admit it, and they try to, you know, sh- twist it around and change things around. And this is and that. I loved last week. I loved last week. Triple H. Happy twenty fifth anniversary. Ring the fucking bells. It's great. Yeah, I praised them. A lot of people praised them. Well, some people had to throw their, you know, nonsense remarks. And I totally respect people that never liked Triple H. It was many years I don't like him either. But it was funny watching a certain group of people who were dissing Triple H and got virtually no attention on social media. And then, you know, a couple hours later, you know, you can't deny what he's done for wrestling in it. Seriously? Yup. Yup. So from now on, you get some goof online that just writes dopey shit that you know is just made up that doesn't make sense, just respond back to them and just write, yup, yup. Yo, we filed a police report, yup. And you know why I keep saying that? Because in 1984, there was that phrase, where's the beef? Remember little Martha, whatever her name was, Bertha? You know, where's the beef? Where's the beef? Then it was 2014, Jeff Jarrett, you know, the boom. Where's the boom? So now I started a new phrase. Not where's the beef or where's the boom, it's where's the police report. Remember last week? You know, we don't know if, if it was really him. He might have been hacked. Well, everybody, it wasn't me. Uh, police report filed. Yup, yup. Ain't no fucking police report filed. I tell you, man, it, it's not that hard. It's not that hard. The problem is, is that nobody thinks for themselves anymore. They're more concerned as far as how they come across on social media. A lot of people can't handle, you know, going against the grain and getting the criticism. They try to talk on both sides in their mouth. Yup. But um, we'll get into that a little bit later. So, uh, yup. <laughs> I promise everybody I'll stop. By the way, Friday night, if you're not doing anything, um, right after SmackDown, if you want to come right back here for the, uh, the Don Tony show, um, I will be up here. Uh, I believe Mish will be joining me as well. And to celebrate 
10,000 subscribers. Looks like we're doing the one chip challenge. So we're going to do it live on the show. Um, I am scared because I had diverticulitis surgery a year ago and I had my gallbladder taken out. And I have tons of people that uh, are, you know, telling me you're making a big mistake. Well, you know, we'll do it live. If I make a huge mistake, a bad miscalculated error, I'm sure some people out there will absolutely love, you know, seeing yours truly in pain. Pain. Mr. T, remember? What are your prediction? Prediction? Pain. That's what's going to happen Friday. Pain. Speaking of pain, um, you know, so we got the, uh, the finals for the TNT tournament. Lance Archer versus Cody. Yeah, you know, I'm, let me also make this clear. A lot of people that are watching this right now made the same predictions as yours truly. You know, I ain't the sharpest knife in the drawer. All right, it just felt like it was common sense. You could see AEW, the way they were going with this. And the telltale sign, as far as Lance Archer, was last week. Cody, on a, on a speakerphone with, with, with uh, Dustin, if I don't beat uh, Fabian, Sabian, whatever his name is, you know, uh, I'll retire. Um, but yet no retirement angle with Lance Archer, the guy who's been calling out your brother. Brother! So the fact that he thre- he teases a retirement against Kip Sabian, and then that retirement quickly goes away. When if it, you want to impress me, AEW, fucking make the retirement angle with Lance Archer too. <laughs> oh no, that ain't fucking happening. So you can kind of see this a mile away. I know a lot of people were rooting for Darby Allen to get the win tonight, but um, I like the match Darby Allen versus Cody, which opened up AEW today. But the ending was really, really ridiculously stupid. The fact that this was pre-taped, I honestly don't understand why they didn't just redo the end of that match. For anybody that did not see that match, and there was something even more dumb that went down with this as well, that I know a lot of you out there already know what I said about it. Cody goes for the coffin drop, all right? Darby, I think, gets his knees up fine. No big deal. So immediately after Cody gets injured or supposedly injured from the coffin drop, Darby Allen climbs the top rope to give his coffin drop, and he nails it on Cody. But when he nails it on Cody, he, like, falls backwards. So Cody kind of has him, like, as, a, as almost like a roll-up, and Cody gets the win. Now, the funny thing about it was you see these goofs on social media like, well, maybe Darby Allen lost lost his wind. You know, anybody out there ever lose your wind? I had that happened to me a couple of times playing football. I got tackled with, without equipment, and I laid on the floor. And all I remember this hasn't happened to me since I was a teenager. But when I I got the wind knocked out of me, this is what what all I remember from it. Couldn't breathe. Standing there making noises because I was trying to get. Eh, eh, eh. That's what happens when you don't catch your breath. Darby Allen's just laying backwards, you know, almost like a, a like a girl in a porn chick that like like lifts her legs up and is just waiting to be hammered. He hits the coffin drop. He lays backwards. He's not even trying to kick out. The, the referee's count three, and he's just laying there like this. Man, what a horrible finish to that match. You're pre-recorded. Do it over. Somebody in the back says, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, one second, one second. 
How do you fucking leave that? Made Darby Allen look like a total matarazza on that, and it was a great match too. But here's what pissed me off more than anything else. May 23rd. That's where we're going to crown the new TNT champion. All right. May 23rd, double or nothing pay-per-view. Let me get this straight, Tony. Let me get this straight, Mr. Khan, sir. You made a title in tribute to the TNT channel, the TNT network, TNT that hosts Dynamite, TNT that is trying to get your product to the next level. You make a title for TNT, and you're going to crown your first champion not on TNT. Seriously, come on. Oh, I... How did how does that pass anything? To me, that's almost as bad as Lagana letting Cornette's bucket of chicken thing pass through onto NW. How does that make TV? And because everything's pre-recorded tonight, it's not like somebody gets into Tony's ear. Hey, Tony, uh, shut up! Don't don't bring up don't bring up double or nothing anymore. You know, it, it, we you know the more I think about it, you know, that's not so goody goody. Um, Tony, no, 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 it's, it's pre-recorded. They made their bed. They had to lie in it today. Now, if you ask me, Tony Khan could bail himself out of this one. Tony Khan should go on social media tomorrow or the day after, sometime this week. Look, hopefully social media is thinking the same as me. And he crowned the first ever TNT champion. I'm not TNT. Hopefully, social media bursts with that. Tony Khan should play good cop, bad cop. He should go on social media tomorrow or day or two and say, the fans have spoken out. They want to see the first ever TNT champion crowned on TNT. So we're going to give the fans what they want. So instead of double or nothing, we will crown the first champion on TNT. Do a rematch. Do a rematch with Archer and Cody on, on uh, Double or Nothing. Do something else. The fact, the fact, the fact that you announce a title. That's like announcing the first ever women's title and men are going to gonna compete in it. It's it just, it, what an unforced, stupid era. Seriously, what a stupid, this is just my opinion. Maybe some of you out there disagree with me. Um, you know, I don't have the video here. I actually saved it. I'll have to share it Friday. But, you know, future WWE Hall of Famer Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, that's letting WWE get away with all this. Remember what I said a week or two ago, that any wrestling fed could do stuff in Florida right now if they wanted to. Next week, AEW returns to live shows in Florida. DeSantis was on video today and I hope everybody starts to pick up on this. Whenever DeSantis is put in a corner about allowing WWE to do what they're doing right now, he immediately shifts and brings up other sports. Last week, it was baseball. Today, it was auto racing or this or that. Like, he keeps putting it, but it was funny because there was no mention of AEW. But remember my prediction from Monday also. I think the first first 
uh, live crowd event that returns for probably AEW is going to be taking place outdoors. You will see, any, uh, and DeSantis today said that he thinks that if everything go, stays on pace, he can't see why wrestling events don't return to some form of crowds in June or July. That's a month or two away. That's not that long. So when you talk about May 23rd, that is a little bit cl- close as far as, a, you know, the AEW with Florida. So I don't think you could possibly return that soon with some live fans. But, I'm a, you know, I, I don't know if it's because of the agreements with the pay-per-view companies. But I think if AEW was smart, if we're in the month of May and it's getting closer and closer, that you could have some type of fans, some f- number of fans that could actually go to your show. Maybe you consider postponing double or nothing until the middle of June, and then you have some fans at the event. And remember my ticket idea from Monday. You know, there's a couple of things you could do. When you buy tickets through Ticketmaster or something, you want to buy two, it automatically reserves four because you buy two tickets for you and your significant other, and the reason why it, it, it actually tallies four is because the two tickets you're going to sit in, one empty seat to the right of you, one empty seat to the left of you. And that happens. You buy a set of four tickets, then you actually get six because one seat to the right of you won't be take, will, will be empty. One seat to the left of you will be empty. Another idea is what I said last week and on Monday, drive-ins. You know, a lot of places are talking about bringing back drive-in movies. Maybe you do that with wrestling. Put the fucking ring in the field or whatever it is. You have all the cars. They can be all parked all around it. And as long as they don't get in the cars and they sit just with their family or friends that actually went to the event, you could have concessions come up to the car. The only problem with Florida is that when it's 90 degrees, you know, I don't know how many people are really going to be wanting to sit in freaking hot cars. Then you start turning on, you're blasting the air conditioner, and you got all that carbon monoxide all around. So it doesn't work in every state out there. But um, we'll see what happens. But I tell you, man. The TNT Championship crowned on a pay-per-view and not TNT. To me, that just was just absolutely stupid, in my honest opinion. So, um, as we opened up, I showed everybody that Moose uh, has the TNA Heavyweight Championship. You know, what I talked about Monday with the interim title. Yesterday, Rebellion was on uh, Access TV, it was okay. I mean, it was to me, it felt more like an episode of Impact than anything else. Um, the match results, for anybody that's interested, because this was night two of Rebellion. Uh, Chris Bay over Rohit Raju, Suicide and Trey Miguel. I don't think there was any dispute there. Chris Bay, um, they made a lot of hype with his return to Impact Wrestling, so they're, they're going to give him a, a nice push, without a doubt. Uh, Joseph... P. Ryan over Cousin Jake, Rosemary over Jessica Havoc. Uh, and by the way, the woman who was in attendance and everybody was, you know, was wondering like uh, Navia, Navia, I think that's how you pronounce her name. That is Beth Christ who was sitting at ringside. But I don't, I don't know if people realize that the name Navia is the word heaven spelled backwards. Uh, some people may not be aware of that. 
And then the main event was Moose beating Michael Elgin and Hernandez, and Moose came out with the TNA Heavyweight Championship. And this was, you know, to give a little bit of a diversion, uh, since Tessa Blanchard is not there right now, the only thing I'm a little concerned about is, um, are we going to end up with Tessa Blanchard versus Moose to maybe unify those titles? I don't like that idea at all. Um, I, I'm, you know, a fan of Tessa Blanchard. I gave her a little bit of the benefit of the doubt with the stuff that happened that time, even though, you know, La Rosa Negra was very convincing, and I think she definitely heard what she thought she heard. Um, but still... I don't really want to see Tessa Blanchard against Moose. That, that's a little bit too much suspension of disbelief, in my opinion. So, um, Now, if you're interested, uh, you had Matt and Nick Jackson um, on their Being the Elite. I think it's episode 201. They were teasing the revival. They were looking in the clouds and saw the FTR. I'm still going to stick with what I was saying. I think the Revival are better suited for NWA. I know some people might think it's a fantasy match of the Young Bucks versus the Revival. I know it may be a match that both tag teams would love to have against each other. Um, I'm sorry, man. I've said this many times before. It's nothing against the Revival. But, you know, I've never seen the ratings draw between the two. And when you think of Young Bucks and fantasy matches, you usually look at people with the high-flying style. When you have an absolute complete ground game, you better really have some. I think people are more interested in hearing the the revival shit on WWE and Vince McMahon than the actual match because I don't know where people think it's going to turn into an unbelievable, you know, six-star match. So I think NWA is really where the revival should uh, be considered going to. And, you know, we have to wait a little bit and see what happens with the NWA because right now, you know, with coronavirus still here, there are a lot of things in limbo. Now, kudos for NWA who, who are putting, you know, footage online. And we talked about last week, um, you know, with some of the content that they, that they had up there. Um, but this week they talked about the rebirth of the NWA. They focused on Nick Aldis and Tim Storm last week. Um, you know, they, they focused on uh, Camille, which I thought was excellent. So, you know, they're trying to keep the name out there. But right now there's not much else going on. It's really just WWE and AEW. And that's why a majority of the news out there is focused on those two promotions. But... Um, I'll tell you this much, next week, there is no excuse why NXT does not win in the ratings. Now remember, after all those consecutive weeks, it was yours truly and I think JD from New York, I think we were the only two podcasters that predicted NXT was going to win and win by a hair, and that's exactly what happened. What they're hyping up next week, now granted, you know, AEW is going to be live. And, you know, once again, all these websites, all their sources have coronavirus right now because no spoilers are leaking out, no match results, no nothing, no nothing. Everything now with WWE is pre-recorded. Next week's NXT is, is already in the bag. It's either taped today or it was going to be taped tomorrow. Watch, no spoilers come out. Where are all the sources? Seriously. So, but next week, AEW is advertising live that MJF is going to be returning. 
Frankie Kazarian's going to take on John Moxley, which all right, whatever. I, I'm I have no problem with that match, even though we know the outcome already. And they're also advertising uh, Les Sex Gods, Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara versus Kenny Omega and Matt Hardy. So that is uh, an interesting, entertaining match. Um, and it's solid. Don't get me wrong. It is definitely solid. But to be honest with you, what they hyped up next week for NXT, and I put the, the list here, number one, um, Karrion Cross, Killer Cross, and Scarlett Bordeaux are going to be appearing next week. So I know a lot of people are looking forward to that. Next week, we're having Charlotte versus Io Shirai for the NXT Women's Championship, which... I, I know a lot of people are not happy with Charlotte being the champion, but, you know, I think, she, you know, her right now being the champion is a better status than Rhea Ripley. I don't know if Io Shirai is going to get this title. To be honest with you, I kind of feel like it may not happen yet, but Charlotte versus Io Shirai is a big deal. Um, next week also, we have Finn Balor confronting his attacker, and we have Adam Cole versus Velveteen Dream. And I might even be leaving something out. So think about that. Cole versus Dream. Uh, Finn Balor confronting his attacker, which obviously is good. they're going to make it into a pretty big storyline. Hopefully it's not, you know, they don't do something with Walter yet, but it could very well be. Karrion Cross and Scarlett Bordeaux making an appearance. Charlotte Io Shirai. I mean, that's solid, solid uh, lineup right there. So I'll be honest, again, I think NXT, if they don't win the ratings next week, an AEW show is, it's going to be above average because they, they, they know what's on the horizon next week with, with NXT. But remember what I said, NXT is already taped. So once it's in the bag, it's in the bag. AEW now has a week to plan accordingly because their show is going to be live. So AEW really needs to pull out some stops next week um, to go against NXT. I have a feeling, I have a feeling that next week's, it's a little unfair because it's empty arenas. But I think since we've had the empty arenas, next week's wrestling on Wednesday night might feature combined the best wrestling that we have enjoyed so far in the empty arena. I wouldn't put on a level as WrestleMania because, you know, the, the Boneyard and Firefly Funhouse match, I mean, those were creative geniuses put, being put together. Uh, but I think next week is going to be a blockbuster Wednesday. Um, that combined rating with the two feds next week really should be on the level. Not week one. Because week one, the curiosity factor, but it should be one of the highest combined ratings yet for the for the show. So we'll, we'll see what happens next week. Now, I know I'm going a little bit out of place over here, but I, I want to just bring up a couple of things. Um, you know, it, it's funny when somebody com is confused online and someone clears it up and they just leave it confused because they just don't want to, like, acknowledge that, you know, somebody got it right and they got it wrong. But I was amazed at how many people, when Mara Ranallo said that one thing the WWE does not lack, and that's TP, TP, you know, TP, like, 
you know, Beavis and Butthead, you know, TV for my bungle. I can't tell you how many people out there thought he meant TP as in toilet paper. Mauro Ronaldo said that right after Tom Phillips cut a promo. I didn't even think there was a question. Mauro Ronaldo said that WWE is never short on TP. He wasn't talking about toilet paper. TP as the initials of Tom Phillips. So I don't know why people were so confused about that. Uh, another thing, remember Monday... Remember one of the segments on Raw that we just thought it was, you know, blah at best? It was MVP coming out and announcing that Shane Thorne and Brandon Vink, you know, balling, he's going to be their manager. For some reason, I got a splitting freaking headache. I'm sorry. I don't know why. I just got a horrible headache right now. Sorry. My apologies. Might try to end this show a little bit sooner. No, I will give everybody their money's worth. But I uh, may have to end it a little sooner. Um, but, yeah, no, Benjamin Morrow said it at the very beginning of the show. So, um, but anyway, um, what was I talking about? Oh, so last week, uh, well, this past Monday, we were talking about Brendan Vink, Shane Thorne. MVP is going to be their manager. And one complaint that I have been having with Raw and I talked about it on Monday in detail, is you bring in some names that are featured at NXT, they show up on Raw, and more times than not, they're squashed like a grape. So Monday, and here's a case where you got stuff, I guess, I don't even know how they did this out of place, but last week, or last this past Monday, MVP is going to manage Shane Thorne. Okay, cool. You know, today we have Shane Thorne come out and he takes on Dexter Loomis. And Dexter Loomis basically, you know, beats him handedly. And I'm saying to myself, wait a minute. They just had two days ago MVP trying to like boost up the value of these two guys. You know, and I and I even joked Monday and I said Ricochet and Cedric Alexander should have looked at each other and started laughing hysterically. Shane Thorne, Brandon Vink. You know, not only was there no mention of MVP taking them under his tutelage, 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 but Shane Thorne, look what happened on Monday. Oh, we're hyping these people up. And then today, he loses. Oh, yeah, I did get a haircut today. Yeah. I wasn't joking when I said on social media earlier, man. I don't want to get political on the shows. Friday, if you guys want to talk a little bit politics, I always will, but... I know on these shows you you know predominantly want wrestling, but I'll be honest with you, you know my hair. I hadn't gotten a haircut in two months. Um, I never got that twelve hundred dollar Trump bailout handout, whatever you want to call it. I applied for an SBA loan about five weeks ago. I never heard nothing back. My fiance applied for unemployment and pandemic unemployment back in March. She's heard nothing, and. I have insurance customers canceling, and uh, I'm losing money in my office. And I realized that for the last six weeks, you know, I'm abiding by every fucking thing that the state is saying, doing this, doing that, doing this. But yet it seems like, okay, we're doing everything to help the sick, and deservingly so. But for the people that aren't sick, you know, the people, it's like uh, nothing is happening. So I'm kind of fed up with it. And I'm not a child. 
I know if I keep my distance from people, not just six feet, but 10 feet, 20 feet if I could, if I wear a mask, if I don't cough in people's faces, they don't cough in my faces, we spray Lysol in the fucking room before, before we enter it, the chances of me getting coronavirus is probably less than getting fucking something else. So I called my friend up today, and I said to him, I said, hey, could you cut my hair? And he's like, yeah, if you want to come by. So I went by his house. I wore a mask. He wore a mask. We sprayed the room with Lysol beforehand. He wore gloves, and he cut my hair, you know, and he's a hairstylist, you know. Fuck that, man. Seriously. I mean, I've been working four jobs since all this shit happened to try to put everything together, and I'm like, you know, not for nothing, man. But, you know, I can't even see my parents, and I'm going to have people shit on me because I asked my friend to cut my hair. Not only did he cut my hair today, but tomorrow, no joke. And I'm going to take pictures probably while I'm there. You know, unless some, you know, older Italian guys are like, what the fuck you taking pictures for? We're supposed to go to a coffee shop. It's not open for business, but the back room is going to be open. We're going to be playing probably Romino. And they're going to make some pastries and some coffee. And we're all getting together and we're having a fucking card game, you know. So everybody in that room, you know, it's, nobody's sick right now. I'm not seeing my family anyway. I'm social distancing. I'm fucking going out and I'm playing cards and having coffee tomorrow. Cuomo and de Blasio could suck my dick, to be honest with you. I ain't a fucking child. I mean, to make it sound like, you know, I understand, you know, but when I hear this shit that, oh, you know, you got, you're going to, we're going to, everything that we did for the last six weeks is going to be wasted if you, you got to just stick it out a little bit more. No, six weeks ago, people weren't wearing masks. Six weeks ago, people weren't used to social distancing. Six weeks ago, people weren't using hand sanitizer. Six weeks ago, people weren't washing their hands like crazy. People six weeks ago weren't wiping down their groceries. Six weeks ago, people weren't fucking changing their clothes two times in a day. Six weeks ago, people weren't keeping things handy like Lysol and stuff in case somebody sneezes. Six fucking weeks later, we're doing all of that. So if it's that fucking contagious and after doing all of that, then fuck it, man. Seriously. Ain't stupid. Ramino's is, is in a, like a, an Italian poker game. So you Google it and you'll see. So that's the deal. You know, I look, I'm still not seeing my family. You know, next Sunday for Mother's Day, I'm probably going over there. If it's a nice day, I'll sit on one side of the fucking yard, show that on the other side of the yard. We'll be close enough that I don't have to say, Happy Mother's Day, Ma! No, I'll be close enough we could talk, but I'll probably be like 30 feet away. I'll spend some time with her, I'll give her some flowers, and then I go home. We ain't fucking children, people. So, anyway, so Shane Thorne... You know, he kind of got squashed from Dexter Loomis, but give Shane Thorne credit, man. Go back and watch when Dexter Loomis beat him, when he put his finisher. You don't see this that often, but I always remember. I always This is a weird thing to think about now, but I always remember when Waylon Mercy wrestled Jeff Hardy once. I don't know if it was 1995. It might have been around 95. But I remember Waylon Mercy put his finisher on Jeff Hardy. This is when Jeff Hardy first came in, and nobody knew who he was yet. And he was selling, like he had like crazy eyes, like the fuck, what, what is this guy doing to me? Like this fear in the eyes sold the move beautifully. Go look, search it out. 
This week in wrestling history, I did two weeks ago, I purposely screenshotted that moment and put it as part of my synopsis. That's how beautiful it was. Shane Thorne tonight gave me flashbacks of that night. When Shane Thorne, you know, his eyes as he was going out, like he had these, this, this look of desperation and concern to try to get out of this move. And I'm not a big fan of Shane Thorne yet, but how he sold Dexter Loomis's finisher tonight, I thought it was excellent. And it's sad because almost every podcaster out there won't even mention that. By the way, anybody else out there feel like me that Dexter Loomis's theme music might be my favorite theme music right now as far as current roster? I don't know, man. I'm kind of enjoying Dexter Loomis's music. So, um, what else do we get to today? Oh, me and him. As you can see, I'm kind of bringing up NXT first. You know, we get it out of the way quick. We don't have much else to talk about with that. But Charlotte Fair, Flair beating me and him in about seven and a half minutes. Um, this was really it was a it was a fun match. It was a competitive match. I don't think anybody out there. Uh, ever thought, you know, Mia Yim was possibly, you know, maybe some people think Io Shirai distracts Charlotte, she's not looking, Mia Yim gets a roll-up, it's a non-title match, blah, 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 and Charlotte Flair, that intensifies the heat between Io Shirai and Mia. No, we didn't get anything like that. Charlotte Flair gets the win. That's, that's that. But it was a competitive match. Mia Yim does not lose any stock, even though she lost to Charlotte today. But let's see what happens next week with Io Shirai and Charlotte. Um, Adam Cole cutting the backstage promo that he's going to take on Velveteen Dream next week. Yup. Uh, man, I can't wait to just finally flush those matarats. You know, what, what was the term I used? And someone out there, could you pull up my YouTube preview today? I said something chasers. I can't, I'm, I'm forgetting the first word. Uh, somebody could look up my YouTube preview tonight. It was something chasers. That's what these people are on social media. They, they we'll, we'll talk about that in a, in a few minutes. But um, cloud chasers, yes, cloud chasers. That's what these people were last week. If you've never heard of the term cloud chasers, even though I just drew a blank, I think because of the headache, um, look up cloud chasers. That's what this is. looks like it's going to end up being. But anyway... Uh, one segment we got tonight, I'll tell you honestly, mixed feelings from what I see out there. Anybody that missed NXT yes, uh, last night? Well, because now we're, you know, most of you are going to see this on Thursday morning. The Newly Bros show. Byron Saxton kind of being a little bit like that guy from Fresh Prince tells his name. Um, I was never a big fan of Fresh Prince. He does that dance, you know. Uh, oh, what the hell was his name? Oh, my God. Uh, Banks. Carlton Banks, right? Carlton Banks. Byron Saxton doing his best Carlton Banks. I don't know, man. You know, I unfortunately now we realize that Timothy Thatcher is the tag team champion with Matt Riddle under the circumstances. I don't like the fact that they didn't do like, okay, Timothy Thatcher is the interim champion for Pete Dunne, and maybe this leads to a storyline later on. The fact that they did not announce Thatcher as the interim champion tells me that Riddle and Thatcher are going to be losing those belts sooner than later. But they did this segment today. 
you know, with the Newly Bros show, and basically, you know, they're trying to see if Timothy Thatcher and Matt Riddle, you know, know anything about each other. Uh, they ask, well, Byron Saxton asks Thatcher, you know, do you own a TV? No, I don't own a TV. You know, basically, he's asking Thatcher questions. Thatcher's supposed to answer it, and Matt Riddle writes it down on, like, some type of chalkboard and sees if he know how well does he know his tag team partner. So Byron Saxton asks him about a TV. I don't own a TV. What's your favorite show? I don't watch TV. Would you buy a TV? Well, maybe if the price is right. I got it right. He wrote the price is right. Then they're talking about something, you know, like uh, Thatcher wrestled in a laundromat, and it was a three-way, and Matt Riddle wrote, you know, what did he write? Like, uh, threesome, washer? It was corny, but, you know, at least we had Aikner and Barthel attack both of these guys, and this is going to set up their match coming up very, very soon. Um, again, I think the fact that they're not doing the interim champion with Thatcher and they're pretty much announcing him, even though Riddle's the one holding the belts, um, and Thatcher is extremely talented. Don't misconstrue that, but I, I just, I'm just not feeling that. Um, Carmelo, I'll get into your main roster. I know a lot of people don't like when you say it that way. The Raw and the SmackDown a little bit later. But, um, you know, so we got that match leading up, and I think uh, Thatcher and Riddle will lose those belts soon. Um, I know I'm going a little bit backwards, but I'm giving you the match results. Isaiah Swerve Scott beating El Hijo del Fantasma. Um, so Fantasma goes 1-1. One one. Isaiah Swerve Scott goes 1-0, oh, I believe. I actually have the updated you know, records for this interim cruiserweight championship. But um, I tell you, Isaiah Swerve Scott and El Hijo del Fantasma when he was King Cuerto, they had some matches in Lucha Underground. I went back and I looked at a couple really, really quickly tonight before I was preparing just to see how Scott has improved since then. And although Isaiah Swerve Scott has improved a little bit, if anybody goes back and watches this match today, Isaiah Swerve Scott looks like, and maybe it's a little unfair because of who he's facing. He's facing King Crandall. But he looks like, if you, I know this is an outdated reference, but you don't even have to picture a record. But if you listen to a song on the radio, and it sounds a little slower than what it should be. That's what Isaiah Swerve Scott looks like to me when he has some of these matches. And tonight, it was on full display with El Hijo del Fantasma. Isaiah Swerve Scott is a little slow in some of his execution. You go back, watch it, and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Um... And a lot of the matches in Lucha Underground, King Cuerno dominated. And there's a reason behind that, because, uh, uh, you know, Isaiah Swerve Scott is very talented, but he's nowhere on that level. And they tried to balance it out today, and I don't want to sell Scott that short, 
but you could see if you look at the execution, even some of the you know back and forth that he was doing with Fantasma today, um, he was a little too slow in my opinion. But hey, it was a it was a fun match nonetheless. Uh, Candice LeRae beating Katie, Casey Cananzaro. Um, Gargano made me laugh in this match because Gargano was giddy. I think giddy would probably be the best way to put it because Candice LeRae is just dominating. She beats Cadenzaro. She beats her up after the match. She taunts her afterwards. And Gargano, unfortunately, I can't, like, lay on the floor over here. But if you just picture Gargano laying across the mat on his stomach, and he's got his hands like this, and in the back of his feet are going up in the air like a like a like a like a girl like that has a crush on a like a on a guy, and he she's waiting for his phone call, or she just got the phone got got off the phone. Um, I have no problem with Candice LeRae's look. I'm not thrilled about the hair color, but you know she stands out a little bit different. Um. They're trying to get them over as, you know, these smug, cocky heels. And because, and look, I, I like my M&Ms without peanuts, but because they are a good-looking couple, because Gargano has the look, she has the looks, that they they look classy, they 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 look like these, this smug couple that you would just want to slap across the face. That's what they're trying to do. And um, I don't know about a wannabe Joker and Quinn. I don't know if I would go to that extent. To me, they just come off as, you know, uh, privileged, cocky assholes. And I'm just talking about characters. I'm not talking about them personally. But uh, Damian Priest, I want people to go back, look at the promo he cut earlier this night. Some people might think I'm nuts. Please look at it before you say anything. But... I've been singing the praise for Damian Priest for a long time now. Damian Priest cut a promo early in the night to hype up his match with Keith Lee. And if you go back and you look at that promo, you look closely at Damian Priest's face. Not just around glasses, but if you look at his face and you listen to his voice, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, when I first say this, people are going to be like, you're fucking nuts. Are you crazy? I'm telling you, if you look at it back, you're going to say, DT, you know, you, you actually are right. Go back and watch Priest's promo. He looks like a Puerto Rican or Latino version of Roman Reigns. He looked like Roman a little bit. He sounded like Roman with a little bit. No Anthony Diaz. I don't take my M&Ms with peanuts. But I'm telling you, go back and look at that promo that Damian Priest cut tonight early on. Looked a little bit, sounded a little bit like Roman Reigns. I'm telling you, watch it. I have a feeling a bunch of you are going to say, yeah, you know, I actually see that. I actually see that. Um, now, we mentioned at the beginning of the show, Keith Lee versus Damian Priest, you know. Um, it was a good match. To me, it felt a little bit rushed. Um, I don't think there was any doubt that Keith Lee was going to retain. It was not a bad match. But for me, the match that I enjoyed the most tonight uh, Phil, the promoter, I think he also said the Roman Reigns thing. So I got to give him a little credit for that, too. But um, Drake Maverick versus Tony Nese. The storyline is getting put together exactly how we talked about last week. The odds 
are stacked against Drake Maverick. 0-1, cannot afford to lose a second match. That you're going to be up against the wall. It's going to snap, get a win, possibly two. Maybe even go on to the finals. Either goes on to the finals and then loses, and then maybe that's it. He wins, turns on the fans. We don't know where it's going to go from here. But again, you know, why people are just so dense. You know, we've had wrestlers finish out their contracts in the 80s, the 70s, the 90s. Sure, you can't compare 70s and 80s to today. But the 90s, the 2000s, they finish out their contracts, they get jobbed out. They're losing to different people. Contract is not being renewed. Person does not want to stay. You know, not everybody gets released on bad terms. People do finish out their contracts. I always brought up, I brought up two weeks ago, Razor Ramon and Diesel. You know, Razor Ramon, you know, when, when, they knew, when Vince knew that they were signing with WCW, they didn't just go off TV and live out the remainder of six weeks of their contract, you know, not wrestling at all. You know, it's not the first time. So Drake Maverick being put in the storyline, we don't know what the outcome is. It's not predictable. If people thought it was so predictable, then tell me, geniuses. Tell me. How far does he go in the tournament? Seriously. You don't know. And the fact that you don't know is a good thing. I hope the guy stays. I hope the guy, if the guy turns heel and says that we all fell for it, just remember, you may not see the wink, but if he says we all fell for it, he's basically saying we all fell for it. You know, when the cameras are rolling, it's entertainment. They don't owe you a real-life explanation while the cameras are rolling. Think you know on the outside what the truth is when it happens. But Drake Maverick gets the win today. I'm not going to lie. When Drake Maverick climbed the rope towards the end, when um, I think Tony Nese attempted the 450 and Drake Maverick stopped him, when Drake Maverick climbed that rope, this was right after he did the original, uh, the acid drop that Spike Dudley used to do. When he climbed that top rope again and Tony Nese was laid out and it took a little bit longer, I said to myself, ah, shit. Tony Nese is going to move out of the way. Drake Maverick's going to sell pain, pain. And then Tony Nese going to climb the ropes, get the win, over. Ah, thank God it didn't happen that way. Drake Maverick gets the win. So now the record for, for those that are interested, it, you know what, let's make this a little bigger. This is the current record. Not too impressive, right? Not too impressive. Tazawa, you know, you get squashed on Raw. You know, the ramen noodle head. You know, you get squashed on Raw, so he does not feel like a factor to me. Um, Jake Atlas, Jake Atlas, to me, I would be pretty amazed if they turned Jake Atlas heel and Jake Atlas costs Drake Maverick's career in the WWE. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but Jake Atlas, they're trying to play off that he's sympathetic to, uh, to Drake Maverick. Jake and Drake. Say that fast 10 times. Drake and Jake. Uh, sounds like a candy. I'm going to have a J- Drake and Jake. But, um, you know, the records don't look all that impressive right now. And next week, let's see what happens. I guess Jake Atlas is going to fight Kushida. And, um, well, you know what? If Jake Atlas fights Kushida, 
then somebody is going to be 2-0, and and that's pretty impressive. Then it may, you know what could happen? Next week, Kushida could beat Jake Atlas, and that makes Kushida 2-0, and then Drake Maverick may have to fight Kushida, and it's do or die. Then if Maverick wins, he'll be 2-1. and But then the problem is, if you look at the way these records are right now, um, you might end up having uh, everybody almost even records. So, you know, maybe it ends up in like a four-way or a five-way. So, oh, you know, I, I kind of feel bad because he shouldn't have had to do like a super chat for it. But, you know, I got to give this guy credit too, King of Swan style. Um, he also said that Damian Priest looks and sounds like Roman Reigns, especially tonight. Looks and sounds like Roman Reigns. So, yeah, I, absolutely, man. I'm telling you. it's uh, no, Look, they're not going to... That was just, I think, coincidental. They're not trying to make a Latino Roman Reigns. His look is similar. You know what I compare that to? Uh, for some reason, people will take Mansoor and Ali, and Seth Rollins. Oh, they all look like brothers. Why? Because they have dark hair, beard, a little bit longer, similar physique. None of them look anything like each other. So I kind of like compare it to that. But no, I you know, I will say that. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, no. That doesn't even make sense. Uh, Damian Priest does give me a lot of Razor Ramon vibes. Absolutely. Um Looks like Dominic Dijakovic might end up feuding with Gargano because Dijakovic took exception to what Gargano said last week. Um, I, I have no problem with that. I think Gargano versus Dijakovic would be fun. Uh, Candice LeRae, I think WWE's going to realize, right? See, because I keep seeing people online saying that, oh, Candice LeRae, Johnny Gargano, Karrion Cross, you know, Scarlett Bordeaux, you know, you don't have that many couples in NXT. So Candice LeRae, right now, her and Gargano are together, healing it up, trying to establish their characters. But sooner or later, you know, Candice LeRae's got to start going out there on her own, in my opinion. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. But, you know, I don't think, uh, did I leave anything out tonight with uh, NXT? I don't believe so. Um, again, it was not a bad card. I enjoyed it. Now, as far as ratings go, I haven't decided yet. Towards the end of the show, I'll decide what the what the ratings, I think, will be uh, for this week. Now, last week, at the end of Wednesday Night Dynamite, my predictions were that AEW regains the win after two weeks of NXT. I said AEW would get 703,000 viewers. NXT would get 687. Pretty close. I said 703 for AEW. AEW ended up getting 731. I predicted 687 for NXT. They got 665. So it was pretty close. Um, NXT today was not a bad show. But it did feel like it was lacking in a few few things. So my, as I'm talking right now, I'm starting to feel AEW definitely gets the win again this week. Maybe my mind changes by the end of the show. Um, the match placement was a little bit odd. I would have probably rather have had Cody versus Darby Allen as the main event. But they needed Cody to hug Dustin at the end. 
because you go off the, I must break you. So that's why they did what they did. Um, the more I think about it, I enjoyed AEW more this week than, uh, than NXT. Yeah, the more I think about it, AEW tonight, man, you know, again, I already talked about Cody versus Darby Allen. Great match, went 20 minutes, but I don't know what they were thinking with that coffin drop. You know, I could see if Darby Allen at least tried to kick out and was moving his legs, you know, like wobbling like a fish, and he couldn't, like, break the pin. But he just, like, laid there, you know, and I, I just, I could, to me, it fell flat. And, again, the idea of having a TNT tournament uh, final at a pay-per-view and not TNT to me is just asinine. But um, great match, great match nonetheless. Um, why we got another segment, albeit very quick, of Scorpio Sky, I don't know. I'm a fan of Scorpio Sky. I like his work. But we had a segment last week. Why they had to bring it up again, I don't, I don't know. I, I, he's not fighting for the heavyweight title right now. He didn't even have a match today. I just don't know what the purpose of that was. Um, MJF from the Rats estate of Massapequa, that his hangnail is healed and he is stronger than before, but he had a little bit of a neck brace. Um, but he is going to be back next week, which will be fun. Um, looks like some people who had a little bit of a respite will be back. By the way, I need to mention this before we go further. Uh, it was great to hear Mara Ranallo and Beth Phoenix tonight. I stress here. Um, you might remember four, five, six weeks ago, I said WWE's rotating a lot of people every two weeks, every two weeks, every two weeks. Mara Ranallo included. Beth Phoenix included. They did this show and next week's show. So after next week, let's see. Mar Ranallo commentates the following week. He might, he might not. But it was very smart to bring in Ranallo and Beth Phoenix for this one for the simple reason that they are recording next week. Either they did it today or they're doing it tomorrow because you want Mar Ranallo on commentary for those big matches. Some big matches announced for next week. You want Mara Ranallo on that commentary. You don't want fucking Byron Saxton and Tom Phillips. So, anyway, uh, Wardlow beating Musa. Nothing really there. Um, but to me, as far as non-wrestling goes, man, was that Manitoba melee fun or what? You know, they're doing the, you know, the bubbly bunch and all that and last week it was the flim flam and i'm not going to do the dance now and everything uh a espinosa i will definitely bring up dark side of the ring in a couple of minutes uh trust me my brother i have this this is something i could watch on loop for years and years and years um i will always remember we can mention it quickly now you know for anybody that you know did not see this week's dark side of the ring, um, they featured Doctor Death, uh, Doctor Death, Doctor D. David Schultz, not once but twice slapping John Stossel. I remember when that happened, and what I always remember from it is Mister Fuji smiling in the background. Now, granted, this video quality is not all that great, 
It's a, it's more of like a screen grab. But, man, you watch this in better quality, especially the footage from back then that was on the news. You, Mr. Fuji had a grin on his face in the background. He fucking loved that. And they sent Dr. D out there to take care of Stossel. Um, you know, look, I'm not a big fan of Dark Side of the Ring. Um, to me, I think sometimes they exaggerate things. I think sometimes they try to rewrite a little bit of history. But I enjoyed yesterday's show, mainly because it just, you know, it brought back memories. It was just uh, reminiscing of yesteryear. Now, look, slapping someone upside the head twice and the guy suing and getting almost a half a million dollars at that time, claiming that he had ringing in his ear and this and that, I never liked John Stossel. Um, when he claimed later on that he had no idea that Dr. D apologized, he had no idea, and he thought later on that maybe he shouldn't have sued because, you know, the people, you know, that took money. Just, the fuck out of here. Seriously, Stossel, go on my, you're on my YouTube channel now. I have that clip from 85. You could watch it. Just look up S-N-M-E, abbreviation for Saturday Night's Main Event. Look at the video that I have on my YouTube channel that I, from my own personal video collection, that I taped off the TV myself in the middle 80s. At that time, all the TV shows, the you know, the, the talk shows, non-wrestling shows, is wrestling fake. They kept saying fake, 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 fake. And I'll never forget when Buddy Roberts took this older guy from Channel 9 News and put him in a figure four and tore his fucking guy's ligaments. Nobody ever talks about that. You know, I loved it. I loved it because every time I heard someone from Entertainment Tonight or 2020 or a news show and they used the term fake, you know, it pissed us off at the time. We knew it, but we didn't want to believe that it was fake. But they would always say the word fake. You know, this was at the time when Hogan, you know, uh, put the sleeper hold on Richard Belzer, which happened to happen on my birthday, by the way. And, you know, Belzer got his head split open. Then you see, like, news stations would ask Hogan and Mr. for WrestleMania. You know, um, you know, yeah, I agree, uh, Espinoza. You know, he, he tried to, you know, play play niceties at the end. I'm sorry about that. What the hell did I just do? Uh, here we go. Sorry about that. <laughs> but um, let me let me see. I gotta I, I gotta catch up on the super chats a little bit because some people, you know, put. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, shout out, boys in Miami. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, yeah. What was that phrase, Espinosa? What were you saying at the time? You kept saying something. That I got a kick out of. You would you use the phrase over and over again. Oh my! I, was it Miami? But you kept saying something. When we were at Lucky Thirteen. We I hung out with Espinosa last year. It was myself, Draper, Numbers, Mish, Solomon's that showed up. Shaheen, Nuclear Graphics. Um, yeah, and I'm talking about Dark Side of the Ring now. And yeah, he tried to. You know, Stossel tried to come across hard at the end and saying shit. But honestly, Stossel gets no sympathy, man. That guy sued and got almost $500,000. And, you know, w, this, this is the thing that a lot of people don't think about. This is around WrestleMania time. You, you've seen many times in the past 
where they talk about how, um, you know, Vince had almost no money for WrestleMania and WrestleMania won. If it didn't work, he'd be out of business, this and that. You also add in the fact, you know, that Snooker with the wrongful death of Nancy Argentino and a lawsuit there. And then you have what happened with, with uh, Stossel and Dr. D. And you have these clouds over your promotion. You have to worry about legal stuff. You know, these were very big deals as well. Um, King of impersonations. Yes, that's right, Miss Espinosa. That's right. But, um, you know, the thing is, is that a lot of people to this day feel that Dr. D got let go from the WWF not because of the Stossel incident, but because he almost fought Mr. T backstage. And I know some people try to cloud that. Some people try to make claims. You know, people have different interpretations. All of these years, I always felt that the stuff with Mr. T led more to Dr. D's release than anything else. And the one thing that I will say that I thought failed a little bit yesterday with Dark Side of the Ring, when they did Brawl for All, and I had all these people like, oh, look, it ruined Bart Gunn's career. He was never the same, and this, this and that. And I'm like, man, I'm not going to bring up the whole thing again, but come on, man. Bart Gunn was already 34 years old, and he was already in a lull. And listen to Shawn Michaels' commentary that night when he knocked out JBL. And this kind of revitalized Bart Gunn's career. Bart Gunn was not on, on the road to another championship reign in the tag team division or any other division in the WWF at the time. If Brawl for All never happened. But they have to, you know, make it look that way. Now think of this. Bart Gunn, 34 years old, when Brawl for All happened. How old Dr. D was with this incident with Stossel? 28 or he was let go when he was 28. Dr. D, I, I, almost out of wrestling before age 30. Who kind of got the raw, the raw deal out of this? You know, look, Dr. D, a lot of it from his own doing. But, you know, he is the original redneck. He's the original rattlesnake. He is the original stone cold. I've been saying that for fucking 20 years doing this stuff. He is... The original, yeah. Vince went to... You ruined it, damn it! You ruined it! Dr. D ruined his career. I mean, look, he, you know, did the Bell Bondsman stuff, and Dr. D was always one of my favorites, man. You go back to this week in wrestling history that I was doing. You notice now, do you notice this, everybody? Because I notice it. Two years ago, when I did season one of this week in wrestling history... The following year, I did season two, and almost nobody online was talking about history. I think maybe one Twitter account did, and maybe someone talked about this week in WWE Network history. But now I see all of these goofs putting all these history things all, all over the place. I'm like, man, two years ago, where were all you people? You could have helped me with a lot of research here, but you go back to my history show two years ago, and listen to my praise for Dr. D. And remember the second, you know, I slap you upside your head, woman. Are you some type of goof? You son I think I got the term goof. Because you hear me say goofs all the time. I honestly think that when Dr. D always used to use the word goof, I think I got it from him. Are you some type of goof? 
What am I, stupid? You some type of goof? Woman, woman. My God. And you know what's sad? I know a lot of people out there right now watching this or hearing this probably don't even know what I'm talking about. Look up Dr. D at home, WWF. Look at that segment with his wife and his kids. Threatening to slap his kids, threatening to slap his wife, throwing shit around. What are you, some type of goof? Then his promo in AWA, he's supposed to fight Hulk Hogan in California. And he's like, I went to San Francisco. I didn't see no woman. I seen men dressed up as women. Hulk, you don't go with a woman. See, I can't do it. I never did impersonations of Dr. D. But the goof, they got, what are you, some type of goof? You can't say goof. You got to say goof. What are you, some type of goof? Fucking love Dr. D, man. Original Stone Cold. Original. I've been saying that 20 plus years. So I enjoyed the episode yesterday because it brought back a lot of memories. And again, you don't want to ever see someone get slapped. But man, that goof deserved to be slapped, man. Oh, my God. You know, I, I mentioned on Twitter earlier, I'm going to expand this channel very, very soon. And it seems like a lot of you out there want more than anything reaction videos and reviews. And trust me, in a perfect world, I got to get my VC VHS tapes from the mid-80s because I got the original articles and the stories when, when John Stossel got slapped from David Schultz. In fact, that may actually be a tiny little clip in my YouTube thing I was telling you about earlier. But man, I, I got to do a reaction video when John Stossel got slapped. You know, you see these people, and you know, it's funny because I laugh at them, but I realize like with YouTube, you see somebody's channel, they're hyping up a video, like the, like the still shot of their video of whatever they're going to air. It's always like an outrageous look like, like they, you know, they have these over-the-top reactions, but apparently that's what draws people into watching a video. Man, just in slow motion, just slap. Of man, Stossel, I have no sympathy for man. Fuck that guy. Seriously, fuck that guy. So, let's get back to AEW. This week we have another very uh, episode of the Bubbly Bunch, and this time around, this turned into. I, and it was funny because some people on social media absolutely hated it. To me, it was my favorite part of the entire night as far as non-wrestling goes. In fact, this might be even better than some of the skits that AEW has done in the past. It starts off with Jericho on an exercise bike, fully dressed. Guevara is talking about how his video last week was better than anybody else's, and if they don't like it, they could suck his hand sanitizer. All right, whatever. Then, you know, you see all the members of the inner circle. They're all on their phones. They're kind of talking to each other. And then out of nowhere, some shit happens where Ortiz, like, pretends to headbutt the phone. And Guevara goes flying. Next thing you know, you got um, Hager. Then you got Luther. Then all of a sudden, it's like, you know, what's that video that I said the challenge that I want to do with the podcasters. And did you notice all the goops all in hiding? Just think about that. People in the social media age where everybody's got a camera or a phone, people 
are still afraid, podcasters, websites, bloggers, they're still afraid to show you what they look like. I mean, seriously, that's pretty pathetic. What was that challenge last week that I wanted to do? Where, where you, you, like, I'll be just dressed normal, and then you put the phone or something up to the, cam, the camera when you pull back. Is it the all-in challenge? Is that it? Well, this is what it felt like today. It was like another version of the all-in challenge. But this time around, like, Ortiz goes to headbutt the camera, and Guevara sells it. Guevara goes to do a move, and then Hager sells it. Then Hager does the move, and the next thing you know, it just goes, okay, the don't rush challenge, okay, yeah, Eddie, that sounds right, the don't rush challenge. That's what this felt like today. Yeah, Dalvin, nobody did the 10-year challenge, the 20-year challenge, the 30-year challenge, the 5-year challenge. Just in this day and age, seriously, am I exaggerating? You have people out there that write websites or writers for a living that do shows they do all this stuff, and they're afraid to show you what they look like. What does that say? Seriously, what does that say? I wanted to do a funny one, a podcast challenge. I had a couple of people step up, but a majority of everybody, no, put their tail between their legs, you know? Yeah, in a Matarats challenge. That's right, Kevin. Uh, Kevin K, not different Kevin. But anyway, so this challenge, the Don't Rush Challenge, that's what it felt like today, but it fell off the rails like this, and they had like 20 people, and I will admit, some of them I didn't recognize, I had to do my research, I think I have all the names here, but it was funny, man, come on, that was a funny segment, from what I recalled and did the research in that segment, Ortiz, Guevara, Hager, Luther, Peter Avalon, Jungle Boy, Sonny Kiss, Virgil, uh, Duff McKagan, Jay and Silent Bob, Brad Williams, Corey Taylor, Gabrielle Iglesias, Ted Irvine, Chris Jericho's dad, and Lou Ferrigno. Come on. With a taser? I swear to God, when I first saw it, it was the same thing as Jericho. When Jericho said, is that Lou Ferrigno? That was exactly what I said. I was like, no, no, it, it, that looks like Lanny Poffo. Is that Lou Ferrigno or is that Lanny Poffo? That's, that's what I, I thought it was. But my favorite, my favorite was Vicky Guerrero. I don't know if this is her new catchphrase because she said it four or five times. I, she Obviously, I don't think she could use excuse me anymore. I don't know if. WWE owns the rights to that. So instead of saying, excuse me, like she sold that she got hit. And she's looking at the phone and she's like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You know, you, you could actually say that many different ways. In fact, you know, when I go back and think about it, she should have did this. She should have been like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Like, you can say different, but that was good, man. That was good. Um, and it's sad, man. You know, Vicky did that interview not too long ago that, you know, WWE just, you know, was not interested in using her for anything, and she wants to do some stuff in wrestling, and simply because she did a little commentating skit on AEW Dark, and, like, it's like they won't let her have guests on her show. That That's tacky, seriously. So it was nice seeing her. But after Vicky, 
you have Chris Jericho that just stopped everything, and he stopped it because it was awesome. I agree. It was one of the best Manitoba melees that he's ever been a part of. That was memorable, man. And you know, you know what's you, you know what's funny about this? You kind of see this. You, I think you're starting to see this. AEW has a better pulse of things on social media than WWE does. Some of the individual wrestlers in WWE know. And when you have the TikTok videos, you'll see Nia doing stuff. You'll see some other people doing stuff. You'll see some wrestlers individually. But as far as WWE goes as a whole, they thought not too long ago that every fucking wrestler in the back should be talking from their camera phone. Remember all those things? You know, the person, and that was before coronavirus. You got crazy-ass production and people in the back with their phone with the horrible video quality doing that. And then what was the best part that everybody forgets about? You remember those fucking Batman-like graphics, you know? Uh, you know hate, big letters. You know, I, I think you're a fat slob, big letters. I'm going to beat you, giant letters. Remember all those stuff? I'm like, who the fuck came up with that? But you see AEW, you know... All right, you got a couple individual WWE wrestlers doing TikTok videos, but AEW doing the flim-flam stuff and then asking their fans, hey, show us your flim-flam video and we'll add music to it. We'll add this. You got people doing it. You got celebrities doing it. Now they're doing like the, you know, the don't rush challenge, but they're doing it creative. Everybody gets hit and they're selling a move. It was funny, man. I loved it. I loved it. I thought it was excellent. Next, we had Chuck Taylor and Trent beating Jimmy Havoc and Kip Sabian. No DQ, no count-out match. It was, It is what it is, you know. I'm nothing against Kip Sabian, but how AEW thought fans would buy into a possible retirement match of Dustin when he's facing Kip Sabian. AEW sees something in Kip Sabian. A lot more than I think a lot of us do. She, he is talented. Penelope Ford is talented. But I wouldn't put Kip Sabian, if Johnny Gargano and, and Candice LeRae are on, on this uh, up here, even if the ladder's all the way up here, if they're here right now, there ain't no fucking way that Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford are even near there. And they keep putting all of this focus on Kip Sabian and again, it's it's not that, oh, I want to see him get his ass kicked. It just, I think it's somebody sees something. And they may, it may click on later on. But Kip Sabian, man, uh, I'm not feeling it as much as others. It was not a bad match. I'll tell you, there was one interesting part. I don't know if you saw this. There was one part during the match where Jimmy Havoc back body dropped Trent onto a ladder in the corner. Did you guys see that? Now, unfortunately, I cannot, I cannot post clips up here because I see some podcasters having some problems with WWE and AEW because they're putting up small, even like two-second clips, and they're getting hit with that. Um, but did you see what happened with the, with the ladder? Uh, Jimmy Havoc back body dropped Trent into this ladder. The ladder bent. And when Trent got off the ladder, the ladder, like, 
bent back into place. I have never seen it, it almost look rubbery. Go back and see what I'm talking about. The ladder literally bent and it went back into place. It was really, really odd. I mean, it looked cool, but I was like, what the fuck just happened to the ladder? Seriously. Um, I agree, uh, Senor Espinosa. Um, probably the best that Jimmy Havoc has has been featured on TV so far. And I use the term featured because, you know, Jimmy Havoc, he's had some interesting matches. You know, the one that I always remember is the one that Carnett talked about with uh, Joey Janela. I don't like to make fun of Joey Janela. I, I, I think J Jim Cornette is a little bit too hard on Joey Janela. But Jimmy Havoc, Jimmy Havoc I like. Jimmy Havoc I have no problem with. I actually enjoy his work. Some of it's a little over the top sometimes. But the only, and, you know, best friends are fine. You know, Orange Cassidy getting involved is always fun. The only thing I didn't like today is Orange Cassidy took a brutal chair shot to almost like the face. Orange Cassidy got hit with some stuff tonight. And yet, at the very end, he's sitting in the ring like nothing ever happened. And, you know, it's some of that is a little arcadish to me. But the match was fine. I, I thought it was, it was okay. It didn't go as long as I hoped it didn't go. I wanted it to go short. It went about 12 minutes or so. But the latter part, uh, really, go, go back and look at that. Just look at the flexible... Ladder. I think that's probably where you'll find that. The Britt Baker promo, all right, you know, making fun of Shivani. You know, she don't like snaggletooths, fat people, wannabes, glass wearers, which kind of gets me mad because I think I almost fit all those categories. I don't think I have snaggle teeth, but uh, a different Tony, Tony Shivani, apparently wears them all. You know, the friction between Britt Baker and Tony Schiavone, I think, is a little bit played out, in my opinion. There's no need to keep focusing on Schiavone with this. Just go balls out, man. Just rip the fans. Just keep him out of it. But um, Britt Baker, look, they, they're they finding their way with her, without a doubt. You know, she's not this awesome wrestler in the ring yet. You know, she broke her cherry, you know, getting her nose busted open or whatever. But... You know, you could see that outside of wrestling, she's likable. Um, and AEW is scaled back a little bit with her, which is which is smart. Absolutely smart. But I think the stuff with Tony Schiavone, all right, yeah, you did it on the fucking cruise ship. Move on. You know, sometimes less is more. You know, but, uh, but not bad. Yeah, Adam Cole's girlfriend. Next, we had the Technique by Taz. Talking about Lance Archer and the blackout, and I'm a little confused. Maybe someone could go back and show me how this is physically possible. But Taz is talking about when Lance Archer has the person in the air for the blackout, and he's talking about how the, the person is nine feet in the air. Okay, all right, nine feet in the air. A foot is about this long, right? About this long. So he says they're nine feet in the air, sometimes ten. Now, I just took a step back and I thought about that for a minute. Now, every single person listening right now, or watching this right now, every single one of you, every single one of you, unless you're an infant, and I don't think infants should be watching or listening to my shit, 
But if you picture all of us right now, from the neck up or the armpit up, all right, we might all differ, differ in size going this way, but pretty much from the armpit up, we're pretty much the same height. And if you're lifting someone from their armpits and they're nine feet in the air, how could it possibly go to 10 feet in the air? I don't even, that's like beyond Elix Skipper neck. You remember Elix Skipper? His neck looked like a Pez dispenser. Like I wanted to push back his neck and candy fall out. How do you go from, if, if you're lifting someone from here, how do you add an extra foot? You would literally have to have a neck. And it's, it's impossible. Impossible. I get it. Everybody's saying people have different size heads and necks. Do you realize a foot? Seriously. You, you lift a midget up. A, a foot. Where does the foot come from? It's from here to here. Where do you add the foot? It's like a bad cartoon where you, you're like you jacking someone's neck and you're like, oh, I thought it was funny. I thought it was just exaggerated. Look, wrestling is supposed to be exaggerated, especially if you're Hulk Hogan. You know, by the time Hogan dies, Andre the Giant's going to be 950 pounds. But no, seriously, you look at people, look at this, look at Marco Stunt and then look at fucking Brody Lee. You measure, it's not like Stacy Keebler legs and a regular human being's legs. If you measure the armpit to the top of the head, whether it's Marco Stunt or it, it, when someone is five foot tall and six foot tall, the difference is not from the, the neck up. Might be two or three inches, if that. And when people have thick necks, it goes this way. You know, when you wear a suit, you don't have, when you have a bigger neck, you don't have a collar that goes this high. No, it goes this way. You wrap it around this way. It's not going like this. So anyway, one thing happened today. I was so happy to see Marco Stunt versus Brody Lee. The only reason why I enjoy Marco Stunt getting the balls beat out of him right now, especially someone the size of Brody Lee, is because not Marco Stunt's doing, but when Marco Stunt fought Lance Archer, go back Search social media, Twitter especially, see what I'm talking about. I saw grown-ass adults, a lot of women, but grown-ass adults triggered because how dare AEW have someone the size of Lance Archer beat up someone the size of Marco Stunt. And as I said, but I was muted, I wish they could dig up King Kong Bundy and little the Haiti kid and fucking tie those people to a chair and let Bundy squash him a couple of times. Um, I don't know any individual names, Dalvin, but I saw that written repeatedly, and I'm like, it's people like that that I just can't stand. I mean, it's David versus Goliath, and the idea is you're supposed to get angry at Lance Harcher because, because of how big he is and how small Stunt is. It is fucking entertainment, motherfuckers. So I wanted Brody Lee versus Marco Stunt. I want Luchasaurus ultimately to turn on Marco Stunt and just destroy him. Throw him off a cliff. Not really get hurt, but these people getting triggered because of size is just 
asinine. They don't deserve to be wrestling fans. But I will say this. I will say this. I give AEW credit for this match because the match, as quick as it was, you know, they allowed Marco Stunt to get a little bit of O in there. Not only that, Chris Jericho made a comment that I thought was really, really cool. And again, this summarizes what I've been praising about Jericho the last couple of weeks. Not just the energy, but I have said, even last week when I talked about Omega's match against whatever that guy's name was, Jericho made that guy look like a million dollars because of how he was reacted to the guy's moves. Jericho, you know, helps, enhances the people that are in the ring. And tonight, Jericho said that if he ever gets in the ring with Marco Stunt, he'll beat his ass. But tonight, he had respect for Marco Stunt for stepping into the ring against Brody Lee. Now, it's funny because some people online do not like that the inner circle are this um, happy and comical, doing their bubbly bunch segments. They're heels. So they're not supposed to make people happy. And I disagree with that more than anything in this world as a wrestling fan. It doesn't, it, they're heels, but they're entertaining and they're interacting with fans. And that is something that is a lost art more times than not. You know, just because you respond to someone's tweet doesn't mean that you're really interacting with your fans, you know. And that's one thing that AEW's been doing well, and Jericho is truly the MVP of that company. In the ring, he may not be able to do what he used to do, but outside that ring and commentary, he makes every person seem better. The, the lower names on the card, he get he acts like he gives a shit. He acts like the people are important. Omega's match last week, I said, I and look, I know Meltzer and Satin and Cornette and others, I think all got in this war about the length of that match and you know bringing up matches from yesteryear. You know, I don't think any anybody but me, you know, got into it as quick. Because I did my recap immediately after AEW went off the air. They got into these wars the next day, the day after that. But that night, I said, I think that match went a couple of minutes too long. But Jericho, and I said this last week, Jericho made that guy's work seem that much more important. And that's what Jericho has been knocking out of the park. And I really enjoyed Jericho's commentary. You don't have to just come up with memorable phrases that people will remember, calling him pumpkin head dipshit or whatever it is. But when Jericho even makes that little sign of respect for Marco's stunt, even though he's a heel, that 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 was a wonderful thing. I, I thought it was great. Sean Spears beating Baron Black uh, with C4 was was fine. It was a very quick match. Sean Spears, even Jericho tonight with Sean Spears. Jericho said something like, oh, Sean Spears is a different man after, you know, the the, T, the TNT tournament with Cody. And when you think about it, you know, it, it, does that really make sense? You know, Sean Spears has been losing bets. He, you know, he's still looking for a tag team partner. So, but Jericho just makes it him sound more important. So Moxley, tonight we saw him on video. 
He will be back live next week, and as I said earlier, he's going to take on Frankie Kazarian. Cut a promo in some, you know, area. I don't know if it was near train tracks or whatever. I don't know, but it was, you know, a nice backdrop, you know, solitary, you know, by himself. And he was talking about how it was only two months ago when he won the title and, you know, indirectly bringing up coronavirus and what's going on. And he said, you know, sooner than later, fans will be back live and he'll be cursing and bleeding and defending the title. And he was talking about things that he was thankful for. And he was he mentioned his wife, didn't mention her by name, but he said he's thankful for his wife who puts up with him, you know, with him right now with everything that's going on. And he was thankful, you know, for, for other things as well. And he said next week he's going to throw Metallica and some CDs in the truck, and he's coming out east, technically southeast, and he is going to be um, fighting next week. So I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to it's going to be a fun night for AEW next week. Um, the main event, which was Lance Archer beating Cody. You know, I we talked about it earlier. There's really nothing for me to add to it. Early on, Dustin got busted open a little, a little bit, and Lance Archer was dominating. Um, I don't. I never thought there was any shot of Dustin winning this. And I said it last week too, and I mentioned it earlier as well. When you tease a retirement out of nowhere, you know we have the RKO out of nowhere. This is the retirement out of nowhere. If I don't beat Kip, I'm retiring. You know, you know, put your money where your mouth is. If I don't win this fucking tournament, I'm retiring. If I don't advance to the finals, I'm retiring. If I don't beat Lar Archer, I'm retiring. When the minute that retirement, not, and all that retirement stuff was, was to try to increase interest in the show. That's all it was. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, I don't think it did as much as what AEW thought it would. Again, why would anybody tease a retirement against Kip Sabian? You know, it does. It's too low on the food chain as of right now. Um, but anyway, you know they're uh, teasing Dustin. You know, getting hammered early and he's busted open and Archer is dominating. Dustin gets some offense back and one point, you know, climb the top rope, which you rarely see Dustin do anymore. But the one move that stood out to me tonight more than anything. Lance Archer. Let's see Undertaker do this. And I know that's unfair to say, but Lance Archer climbs the top rope. Let's see Mike Jackson do this. Anybody that knows why I say Mike Jackson, you're paying attention. But Lance Archer climbs the turnbuckle, goes to the top rope, walks across the top rope, and doesn't, jump off with the punch to the shoulder like Undertaker does. No. He turns around and does a fucking moonsault. A moonsault. That is insane. I saw that move. I I, I was like, please, AEW, replay that. Please. Re and it took them a couple of, like, extra seconds to do so. They should have replayed that, like, four or five different times. That was insane. That was insane. Um, but Lance Archer is impressive, man. Um, you know, suddenly the absence of Jake Roberts, not, not much with the, you know, like we saw a couple of weeks ago. And I'm not even talking about live and in person, but, 
you know, it feels like that they're slowly maybe distancing Jake Roberts and Lance Archer. Um, I'm not saying it's the end of the two as a pair, but you see slowly and, um, you know, and, and at the same time, though, you know, I know AEW got heat a couple of weeks ago that you had Tully Blanchard there live in the middle of coronavirus, Jake Roberts there live in the middle of coronavirus, John, Jim Ross was there for a little while in the middle of coronavirus. Let's see how many of them return next week and the week after. So, uh, but I tell you, it was not a bad episode of AEW. It was not a bad episode of NXT either. But unfortunately for me, NXT, you know, it just, I don't know, it didn't keep my interest as much as the last two weeks. There were some names notably absent. Uh, they really milked this carrying cross stuff the last two weeks. I mean, the vignette is nice and everything, but the minute he attacked Champa, you know, this should have been Champa should have opened the next fucking show. I'm not leaving this ring until this this guy comes out. I mean, it just fe feels like they just. I know they're trying to spread this stuff out and milk it a little bit more, but man, it just feels like they lost a little momentum. But but again, I think N NXT regains some momentum next week. NXT, it's going to be a very important week for them next week. That rating next week is going to be really interesting. But this week, I think AEW keeps the win. I'm going to go with AEW with 600 and, uh, 600 and, 668,000 viewers. Remember, am I a little low on that? I'll say 678 NXT. 651. That's what I'm going to go with. Um, AEW is going to be live next week for everybody who is asking. Uh, to Mr. Espinosa, do I think AEW cursing on camera has caused WWE to add more vulgar language? No, I don't think so. I just think, you know, it's look, WWE has cursed a little bit once in a while in the past as well. Um, cursing once or twice does not get me to watch a show a little bit more. Um, hell, they said bullshit on Raw, and it turned out to be one of the, the I think, the lowest rated Raw in its history. I mean, that's that should tell you something right there. I mean, you know, just using an expletive, I don't think, you know, really helps all that much, to be honest with you. Oh, I, I have to mention this gentleman because he posted it earlier, Carmelo. Uh, he wants the smoke. He wants the dirt from either The Undertaker or, or the Styles match or dirt from yours truly. I talked about that plaque on Monday, that Undertaker plaque for $75. I don't think it's a big deal. You know, $75 for the plaque was a little bit too much in my opinion. But, you know, for people out there making a, a big deal about this dirt situation... I'll say this, um, they cut shirts and put it in plaques. They cut a piece of the turnbuckle, put it in plaques. They cut a piece of the ring canvas, put it in plaques. They, it's no different. So this is a little capsule of dirt, big deal. I remember when uh, Yankee Stadium closed down and Shea Stadium closed down, they were selling dirt from the field. 
you know, it's just, it's more of just like a, a little memory than anything else. I don't think it was that big of a deal. So with that said, uh, before we close it out, I want to finish up the remaining seven minutes talking about Velveteen Dream. Now, remember last week, I talked for 30 minutes about Velveteen Dream. And by the way, again, everybody, if you're around Friday night, 10.05, right after SmackDown, join me here. Mish will likely be here as well. Uh, I'm going to post a receipt, by the way, for the donations, the money we raised about a month ago. I'm going to post a receipt tomorrow. I, I did donate yesterday. And uh, looks like we'll be doing the uh, One Chip Challenge, and we'll get into all your questions, chat, super chat, everything. So Friday, and Friday, we're going to probably go, it might be a three-hour banger, you know, so we'll see what happens. But I want to finish up the remaining six minutes here with Velveteen Dream. Last Wednesday on this show, I talked 30 minutes about it. I got into the whole thing about the chats that were claiming online that he did if you want to be reminded, this was the major controversy that people were claiming. In addition to the photo, people were making a big deal because this was posted. What school do you go to? What school do you go to? As if college people never went to school before. I mean, it like, oh, my God, he asked what school do you go to? Pedophile, pedophile, pedophile alert. Well, like I said, if you looked at some of the screenshots, and I mentioned this on Monday as well, if you zoomed in uh, far enough, anybody out there that's ever Photoshopped something, when you Photoshop something and you don't use the same pixels, the same size you know, like if you if you want to Photoshop a head from one photo and put it on another photo, the photo has to be the same size. When you take a screenshot of a phone and then you take another screenshot of another phone, but that f file size, that picture size is smaller, you might be able to resize something on there to match, but it diminishes quality. And the more you zoomed in on some of this stuff, you start seeing this outline of a pixel, pixelated outline that you can see that someone is copying and pasting it somewhere. But last week when we talked about it, um, it went from that we don't know if it was him, we don't know if he got hacked, then Velveteen Dream makes a statement online telling everybody, look, I didn't do any of this stuff, somebody got my picture, and instead of those people saying, oh, okay, Velveteen Dream, he, he went public and he said it wasn't him. You give him the benefit of the doubt. But what happened was when you had people early on saying, you know, I think he might have been hacked. And then he says that wasn't him. It immediately turned into, no, we're not accepting that. Police report filed, yup. That's what it was. They got angry at his denial. And one thing and I thank my friends in Canada that checked it out. I checked out Florida myself. And I want to thank my friend John, who checked out Washington. We took every area where this police report could have been filed. And guess what? After seven days, there are no record of someone filing a police report and a criminal complaint, a cyber complaint, 
that someone, an adult, 20-something years old, sent a nude photo to, to minors. There's no complaint anywhere. And what happens is you got to understand this. You're dealing with people who are 15, 16, and 17. Not that much experience online. And I don't think they understood how deep forensics can go with this, how things could be tracked. And, you know, they'll post a picture of his dick, but they won't post his phone number. They'll post the screenshot of him completely naked, but they won't show the screenshot of him asking for nudes or offering the nudes. Instead, somebody comes back and says, oh, I have more proof for everyone, and this is going to prove it to everybody, and then this came out. I want to share this with everybody. Check this out. Now, what I did was the video that's online is backwards. I reversed the video so you could see it in real time. This was the alleged conversation that he had with a 16-year-old. And if you look through this conversation, the, the kid is talking about how he wants to become a commentator, and Velveteen Dream asks him what he looks like. Kid posts this picture, if this was a legit conversation. And the kid is from Ontario, and, and Velveteen Dream is basically saying that WWE hires people like looks are a big deal. And talking about you know, getting into shape and having a physique and, you know, some of the things you need to do. But if you look at this conversation, there is nothing sexual about this conversation at all. Nothing. And basically what it feels like is, now look, I if this conversation is real, Velveteen Dream should not be chatting with a 16-year-old at 3 o'clock in the morning, What no matter what the topic is. But basically, Velveteen Dream, if this is a true thing, He's like, look, get into shape, and this is an ad. Stick to yourself, you know, and you might be able to do something. But that's where it gets cut off. If you look at this conversation again, this conversation gets cut off. Now, this is the full video. I'm not touching it. I'm not altering it. You see it where they're talking about. Now, if this guy was going to send nudes, offer nudes, or try to talk sexual, why would you shut the video off right there? So everything online, to me, is very suspect. Things don't add up. It doesn't pass the smell test for me. But um, I just wanted to show everybody that. So look, I'm going to get out of here now because we're hit the two-hour mark, and I definitely don't want this to cut off. I want everybody to enjoy this from the beginning. But I want to thank you all for tuning in. Uh, what school do you go to? So shout-out to Anthony and everybody else. So everyone, please send your feedback. Keep spreading the word. I will be back here Friday night once again. We'll go as long as you want us to go. Two hours, three hours, we'll have a ball. Any questions from tonight, any feedback, definitely get your stuff together. Be prepared to ask them on Friday, and we'll have an awesome show. So, everyone, much love. Take care. Ciao. John it was fun to channel surf. It was kind of hard to do a little pocket pool after you hitting the last channel button 50 times for two hours plus. John and his whole idea of overanalyzing, oh, he's an alcoholic and he misplaced the belt. And how could you have someone champion like that? Get the fuck out of here. Wednesday night. Don Mike, you can have fun. You really are.
new to Medicare? Go to MyHealthPolicy.com. With MyHealthPolicy.com, you can compare plans from some of the nation's top insurers. Start now to find a plan and apply online. MyHealthPolicy.com makes it easy to find a Medicare Advantage plan in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. My decision, my Medicare, MyHealthPolicy.com. Right now, switch your family to T-Mobile and get four lines for $25 a line with AutoPay and 5G access included on America's largest 5G network. So don't wait. Get unlimited and nationwide 5G access for the whole family for just $25 a line. Visit a T-Mobile store or T-Mobile.com today. Plus taxes and fees. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using over 50 gigs a month due to data prioritization. Video at 480p. Unlimited while on our network. Qualifying credit and four plus lines required. Capable device required for 5G. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain features. See T-Mobile.com.